welcome to A Bookish Home. I'm your host, librarian and writer Laura Zaro-Pinsky, and today I'm so excited to have KJ Delantonia on the podcast to discuss her new novel, In Her Boots. It's a delightfully entertaining story set in small-town New Hampshire about a ruse that goes awry and a chaotic homecoming that proves that confronting your past can sometimes set you free. KJ Delantonia is the former editor of Motherload and current contributor to the New York Times, as well as the author of How to Be a Happier Parent and the instant New York Times bestseller and Reese's book club pick, The Chicken Sisters. She lives with her family on a small farm in Lyme, New Hampshire, but retains an abiding love for her childhood in Texas and Kansas. I'm also a big fan of KJ's hashtag and writing podcast, which any writers listening should definitely check out. KJ, thanks so much for being here, and congrats on In Her Boots. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. I was mentioning before we got started, I have that strange experience of feeling like I know you because I've been listening to your podcast for so long, and I've found it so helpful, and I've loved your books. So it's really nice to to get to talk to you live and uh, get (laughs) to ask you things. So I really enjoyed In Her Boots so much. I thinking about it, it really just felt like comfort food um, that I didn't want to put down. And I would have loved to kind of exist in those pages even longer. So I think listeners um, will really enjoy it and will want to pick it up as a summer read. So I'd love to hear a little bit more um, about In Her Boots and the character we meet in this story. Um, Rhett, uh, the, the book is about Rhett Gallagher, who I I just... I just, I just love Rut. She is in this very, um, both, I think, uh, uh, strange and also not so strange situation of having, um, created an outward persona that she doesn't always feel like she can live up to. So specifically, um, she's written a book about her, uh, life of female, of, solo traveling she's been traveling the globe as a woman for a couple of decades mostly alone starting new lives and new jobs for herself in various countries she's very um macgyver like she's very good with her with her hands she's she's um you know smart and mechanical and sort of inclined in that direction and and she really has this sort of enviable um uh, life and persona that she has shared on social media, but she doesn't necessarily feel like the person that she, that she, that she really is. And she's written a, an extraordinarily popular book about it and uh, people love it, but she wrote it under a pseudonym. And uh, so she's never sort of had to be the author of the book in person. And when it comes time to come back to the United States and hopefully inherit her family farm, she is persuaded by her best friend that it's also time to own up, to, to, to be the person that she is on her social media sort of in real life and to go out there and be the author of the book and be um, who everybody knows that she really is. So she's invited to be on the Today Show, which is very exciting for any author. And she's going to give advice to younger people and college graduates who are mostly her fans. And she goes to be on this. This is just, this is all in the first, very first moments of the book. And she goes to be on the TV show and she hears the voice of the other guest and it is her mother. And the only person in the whole world, she really just cannot be her real self in front of is her mother. But luckily, since she wrote the book under a pseudonym, 
she's able to grab hold of her best friend and introduce her best friend as the author of the book. And um, this is a terrible idea if anyone should ever be in this situation, which is <laughs> unlikely. I don't recommend it because what happens, uh, to make a long story short, literally, is that uh, when Rhett gets home to inherit her family farm, she discovers that her mom has a lot of say over whether or not she's actually going to be able to take up this this role in this life that she wants. And her mother is uh, not at all impressed with who she sees when she looks at Rhett, but she's very impressed with whoever wrote that book. Oh, it's so good. There's, as you're saying it, there's so many aspects that right away I sort of knew, oh, yep, I'm all in for this. Like <laughs> the small town, um, New Hampshire, since I live kind of close to there on the um, the border in Massachusetts and complicated mother-daughter relationship and the insider author life and kind of the friendship um, she has and sort of a found family, even with some of the people, um, her neighbors. So there's just so many wonderful uh, aspects of this. And it, it kind of made me wonder for you, what was that maybe like first nugget or first little bit of, oh, I think this is what I want to write about next. So that's, um, that's a funny question, because I think I got pretty far from those first nuggets. But for me, the first nugget was this question of um, uh, people who uh, my, my first nugget was sort of was people who are someone online and who have a public persona that they don't feel like they um, either wanted or can live up to. And also the, the sort of flip side of that, which is people who desperately want a public persona, um, maybe that they do feel like they can live up to, or maybe that they do want to. So really, I was just thinking, as I think a lot of us do, whenever we get on Instagram, um, you know, who are these people that have turned themselves into influencers and what what makes that tick? And if you're not that and you don't want that, you um, when you watch people that would, you just really want to know kind of what made them tick. So I start I started thinking about that, but quickly realized that I'm less interested in what makes somebody who wants to be huge on, on social media tick than I am in this idea of being um, bigger than you meant to be and bigger than you see yourself. So kind of what I love about Rhett I think we get a lot, and I believe me, if you write a book about a social media influencer who isn't really who she, you know, who isn't really as cool as she says she is, I am so there for that. <laughs> That's yeah, give me all those books. But what turn what is fascinating about Red and the reason I really wanted to write about her is that she is that person. She is who she has presented. She just doesn't feel like it, and I think that that's probably even more. Um, normal for us as most women than to to have a persona that you're not living up with living up to to have a persona that maybe you do you know you you are that cool you are you are that I don't or maybe it's just maybe it's I want that to be true but um well she almost has that you really are that syndrome I guess maybe yeah yes like but yeah, as we're reading, um, I know I'm, I'm so impressed by her MacGyver-like <laughs> tendencies. And, um, just, those were yeah. really fun. I don't necessarily yeah. share those. Some, sometimes, occasionally. But, well, she's um, a great but, character yeah, and kind of a unique character to get to read about. And I, I, I really, yeah, she's, she's a character on my list of, I think, people 
from the pages that I would like to meet in real life and get to (laughs) sit down with and chat with. Well, you know, as you're talking about the whole idea of kind of exploring the public persona, one of the things I was curious about is kind of your transition nonfiction to fiction. And I wondered, one of the things I've thought about with like nonfiction versus fiction is it seems like sometimes with nonfiction and platform and everything, you have to sort of, um, like I would imagine for how to be a happier parent, like, did you feel maybe pressure after that to always like be a sunshiny, happy parent and like have that persona? And is it more fun to get to sort of just have the work speak for itself a little bit with fiction? Or is that totally not anything um, that you felt with the transition? Um, I do think that that's more fun. And a thing that I, so uh, you will know as a, as a podcast listener and your listeners um, might know that um, Jessica Leahy, the author of The Gift of Failure and The Addiction of Inoculation is also one of my best friends. Um, and Jess both writes these amazing books about um, parenting and the challenges that we face. And she also is out in the world speaking about them constantly. Um, that's a big part of her career is just going out and connecting with people and then talking about her work. And after I wrote Happier Parent, I did a little bit of that and quickly realized that that's not, that's not, uh, that's not going, that's not for me. Uh, in part because I think that the distinction there is that Jess is really a true expert on the things that she writes about. She's an expert about, um, yeah, the, she, you know, as a as a former teacher and as a, a child development expert, she knows a lot about the, the things that would be good, like what parents should be, do. Whereas I had written this book about um, trying to make yourself happier as a parent, which I still think is really important. I still love, and I'm still I I, would, I guess I'm an expert in it because I'm a journalist who had a problem who wrote about it. But then when you get out there in the world and people think that you might actually have all the answers or any answers at all, um, it was for me very disturbing because I didn't feel, I didn't feel like a person with answers. I felt like a person who'd explored the question and, and invited my readers also to explore the same question and hopefully come to their own answers, which is really different when you're standing in front of an audience. So I think I, you're right. I like fiction a lot more because it's more that, um, like let's explore this, dilemma that that someone else is having and maybe think about our own dilemmas and maybe not you know maybe just Mm -hmm. uh, just maybe just ride along with this for a while and maybe it makes you think about something and maybe you just got to live it and that's and that's fantastic too yeah there's different expectations once it's out in the world I think um though I will say too I I listened to how to be a happier parent on audio I really loved it on audio so if anyone is looking for a good nonfiction audio pick. I would definitely say how to be a happier parent. Well, thank um, you. Cause I actually read it. So that's especially, that's especially yeah, cool. Whereas I do, probably, I do not read the audio. I'm not, I'm not the actress who reads the audio for in her, her boots. So. Yeah. Well, that's probably also why I feel like you've been in my, my ear a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'll um, do it. Yeah. Well, um, I know that um, just from listening to um, you talk on, the hashtag I'm writing podcast that with your drafting, I, was, I wasn't sure if it was this book where I think you had made some pretty big 
changes or maybe change point of view. I wasn't sure if that was this book. Yeah, I was just kind of curious what was really different about maybe early drafts of In Her Boots versus like what we eventually get to read. This this book went, I mean, it went through a lot of iterations. Um, and one of them, absolutely. So, so what I, the, the reasons that, that Rhett, the things that Rhett does in this book um, are often so not, they're not the choice that you as the reader want her to make. And it can be a little um, hard to understand. I I felt like it was hard to understand why she would make the choices that she made when you weren't in her head. So from the third person perspective, it was just hard to really give uh, help the bring the reader along on her journey of figuring out that she needed to to really step up and be herself in the world. It's such an and it's funny because the book has a huge it's got big plot. Like there's a lot going on. Yeah. But the journey is so internal. So I really realized that at some point when it was pretty much finished that to, to really feel convinced that, that um, I was giving readers everything that I wanted them to experience with Rhett, it really needed to come out in her voice. So I changed it from a third per- person point of view to a first person point of view. And that was, um, that was a lot. Yeah. And is there, because I feel like her character, um, she does feel so real. And even, you know, I feel like I understand her history and backstory so well, even though it's probably more um, like touched on and woven in than really tons of it in there. I'm just kind of curious how you went about getting to know her as a character and really bring her to life. Well, I've definitely written more of the backstory than is in there. Um, thank you, editors. <laughs> we love editors for exactly that reason. And that, I mean, as a writer, I always find that really fascinating when you get to the end of the book to think, well, I really felt like I knew this secondary character. I really felt like I uh, I knew this, this part of this person's life. And then you look back and you realize it really wasn't discussed that much. So uh Yes, to to build a book where um, the reader is allowed and invited to sort of both know some facts about somebody's backstory, but also fill in around it. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, there, there's there's an there's an art to it, and for me, it, in this iteration at least, it involved writing a lot more and then peeling it away so that you kind of only got what was necessary to understand who Red is and who she's dealing with in this moment, because you can't, you know, you, you can't, you can't give someone's entire life story. It would be, it would be too long <laughs> and too boring. So, um, but this one, this one, this one was challenging for sure. Well, that was going to be one of my other questions. Um, you know, you, so this is your second novel and I know mm-hmm. you're rewriting your third now. Mm-hmm. What has maybe kind of changed in your writing process as you've gone from book to book? Are there certain things that have gotten a lot easier or like big changes you've made to either maybe like your writing routine or your writing process? Uh, I think I really hoped it would get easier and I don't know that I would say that it's gotten easier, but I do, um, 
And I see it differently now. I see the building of the story and the written words that that deliver the story in um in a really I hope a, a more I don't know that it's more efficient because the truth for me at least is that there's a fair amount of writing involved in figuring out what it is that I want to write and I would love to be somebody that did that differently or maybe I just think I would love to be somebody that did that differently but I turn out not to be I kind of have to write the book to know what the book is and then rewrite the book um, so far, anyway, uh, check in and check in in a couple of books because I'm only in the middle of writing the third. Right? That's not actually that many. So I think, um, as, as I talk about this book, I understand the importance of having a slightly more straightforward story than the one that I created. <laughs> it would be really nice for it to be a little easier to explain. Um, yeah, yeah. The first time. I mean, the first time I started with a situation, or really I almost started, started with a setting, with the idea of two fried chicken restaurants in one town, and who would be involved in that and who it would be. And then with Red, I really started with that that character question. But it actually took me a, t- a long time to figure out what the character was. I mean, there was a, you know, there's a, a long, long ago iteration of this where her fame is for more of a Monica Lewinsky style reason. Um, so... You know, she has oh, unwanted, unwanted fame for something very, very, very different. Um, and there are also versions of the book in which Jasmine really wants the fame. Um, and that goes very differently. So, uh, but in the end, to really concentrate on the one um, smaller, it's not a small, it's not, to really concentrate on that one inside experience that that red is having involved just peeling away a lot of us of other stuff i guess i always think of I, I i come up with really complicated stuff and then i have to i have to peel it away well did you have um was the setting sort of always <coughs> fixed and i um just from kind of being familiar with the area too i was thinking like oh is she sort of um i guess what's it like to kind of fictionalize the area where you live and um you know there's definitely similarities to I forget what the fictional name is but like I think it's Dartmouth that is sort of the college where the mom works and um so I guess kind of how do you think about um kind of taking a real setting and maybe fictionalizing it a bit um that was really fun I really like inventing my own towns. So I did that for the Chicken Sisters and I did it for this. And I honestly probably, I would have liked to set this somewhere more Midwestern, but it, for story reasons, it had to be within driving distance of New York City. So that's why I ended up uh, going ahead and setting it in some sense where I live. That because the setting here didn't involve or didn't end up being, it's a big part of the story but not in a controversial for the setting kind of way point there there was another iteration of this when there was sort of um uh, town politics stuff going on and when that was when that was the case it was a little harder to write Mm -hmm. it knowing that my neighbors would read it but at this point the setting is just a fun element so to have you know really the town is the town is not our town. The college is kind of Dartmouthy, but kind of not. Um, and and it sort of doesn't. It's not. 
there's no reason to dislike it, if that makes any sense. There's not, yeah, there's no bad elements to the setting. So then that just became fun to be able to just, um, you know, look out the window and kind of uh, put things right into the book. Yeah. As a reader, I've been liking that lately where it's sort of, I just read um, Vigil Harbor too by Julia Glass and mm-hmm. her book oh. is sort of um, fictional Marblehead, Massachusetts. And it's kind of fun to be like, I kind of know that it's that, but it's also a little fictional. And um, I've been liking that lately and trying to tackle that a bit in my own writing. So it's kind of fun to be on the lookout for how people are doing it. Um, well, I highly recommend making up your small own small towns because it's a great way to come up with exactly the small town that you that you wish you have. Yeah, and gives gives you some freedom. Um, yes. Well, I'm kind of curious. I know um, that it definitely seems like fellow writers have had um, a big impact on your writing journey, and I would love to hear more about and more about that, and even kind of what shape that takes these days, like. Um, are you mostly just sharing your work with like your editor and your agent? Are you um, passing it to other authors? Kind of what's the role of other um, writers been in your career? Uh, I haven't done a lot. I, I mean, I've always, always, I've had for a long time, my, my close and tight knit little writing um, circle of Jess and Serena. And, but we don't really trade pages. We trade ideas. We, uh, Serena and I in particular, will take plot walks and, and talk about, well, you know, why would somebody do this? And uh, talk about the bigger picture, but we don't trade drafts and I've, and, and never have. I haven't done a lot of that kind of writing group. And so I use now, I work my agent a lot, a lot. She's a real, a great early reader. Um, and then when I have something to the stage of being more uh, ready to go to the editor, then I will send it. I will also give it to a few writer friends for various reasons. And I, I mean, I, again, I'm only on my third book, so it's, it's hard to give it a, to, to, de- to dignify it with process, but I kind of pick people. Um, so you know, I, on, in her boots, I actually gave this to a fellow um, writer and podcaster because I in particular wanted her to read it for um, the, the food stuff uh, and the, the relationship that Jasmine in particular has to food. I didn't want to, I didn't want it to have any kind of um, triggering effect on people that, that had a complicated relationship with you know, veganism or how other people perceived what they eat. So I gave it to Virginia Small Soulsmith, who's a fantastic podcaster that I, I love. Um, and she read it sort of both for that and then for other stuff too. And then the book I'm writing right now, I'm planning to give to a friend because this friend is really great at titles and I don't have a very good title for it. So she's going to read it and try and help me come up with a title. Well, I love In Her Boots as a title, but I do remember you saying that you had wanted... Um, the name of the kind of fictional book as the title, which is, is it the Modern Pioneer Girls? The Modern Pioneer Girls Guide to Life, right. That's what I thought would be the title, but my editor felt like people would think it actually, people would think it was nonfiction, (sighs) so she didn't didn't want to do it that way. And then we had, I mean, the other alternative title, which I still kind of love, but I totally understand why we didn't use, was Wish You Were Her. 
Oh, that's cute too. I like that. You'll have to say it that. Is, it could be a good well, one. From, no, from a Google perspective, it's terrible because you're going to end up with the very, there's a whole bunch of books called oh. Wish You Were Here and it just defaults to that. Oh, um, and as funny, I have to think about Jenny that. Pico's current book is called Wish You Were Here. So I was like, ooh, mm. bullet dodged. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I wouldn't even see. That's why it is helpful to have those that's publishing people. Thank you, editor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I love the cover too. If people haven't seen it, um, oh, and I've been following you online. I know you have the so the cover has the these very cool boots. Um, mm-hmm. And then I know you you've got your own made. That I've been seeing you wear to book events and stuff, which is very cool. Yes, um, very fun. Well, you know, I'm just kind of curious. You have, you know accomplished a lot so already with you know getting picked for um Reese's book club and the book's been a bestseller and you have the successful podcast and kind of what are the big maybe career dreams that you are are maybe hoping for now or um or is it just to kind of keep writing these great novels I'm just kind of curious about that I do want to, I I really just want to be able to keep writing novels. That's absolutely at the moment, my current goal. Um, But you know, I would, I would like, I would like as many people to read them as possible. So, uh, you know, I would love to, I would, I would love to see one break out in more of the Emily Henry or Taylor Jenkins read way. Um, It would be super exciting to see something get made into a movie or TV, although that's not a goal that I control. So I wouldn't really put that on my list as, uh, of, of goals. I think my goal is just to do it better every time. That's a good one to, into being controlled. Although I will say we'll have to put that into the universe because in her boots, I would love to see, um, on the screen. <laughs> that would be really fun. Well, just lastly, um, I would love to hear if there are any books you've read lately that you'd like to recommend to listeners. I am really, so it's rare for me to recommend a book I haven't finished, but I'm so close. I, I feel, I feel faith that this is going to end well. So I'm going to do it. Um, I'm really loving The Truth About Ben and June by Alex Keister. It's, uh, it's a, it's more literary than The Chicken Sisters, but this, it's this great, um, uh, different view, use of the dual POV, POV, um, male, female, uh, perspective that that we see in a lot of books, and it's a really wonderful book about how we change when we become parents, and how that also changes our relationships. And um, it's I just I'm I'm really liking it. So that's the truth about Ben and June by Alex Keister, and I also have really enjoyed Kaleidoscope by Cecily Wong, which just came out fairly recently. Those are um, those are both on the literary side for me, so it's kind of funny, but um but I'm really liking them. Oh, I'll definitely link to those. And Oh, and if you um, want something not, not literary, Julia Whelan's um, Thank You for Listening is one of the best romances I've, I've read in a really, really long time. It's two audiobook narrators, and she herself is a very famous audiobook narrator. And both of these people in this romance have an excellent reason not to come out from behind the mic. And I just, I liked it so much. So that would be oh. the fun, the beachier pick. And I think that's out in a, in a couple weeks. The other two are already out. Oh, great. I keep seeing that last one. I'll have to check that out. I feel like so um, good. I, I tend to always like the books uh, you recommend. I think we have very similar writing tastes <laughs> or reading tastes. I'll have to check those out. Yeah. Okay. I, I think you had um, recommended Nora Goes Off Script and I love so that good. one. And 
ended up having her on. I really um, I tend to enjoy what you recommend. So thank you for Yay! all your recommendations. <laughs> I try to be really thoughtful about it. Um, I, I, I really try to just only throw my throw my heart behind what I love. Yeah. Well, I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for um, sharing all you do in your podcast. And um, I'll definitely link to that for people to check it out. And congratulations again on In Her Boots and best of luck as you continue on with your book tour this summer. Thank you. For links to all of the books mentioned on this week's episode, you can visit abookishhome.com. And there you'll also find a link to our new online bookshop. Um, A Bookish Home has teamed up with the new organization bookshop.org, which supports independent bookstores. And if you'd like, you can browse books by authors who have been guests on A Bookish Home. I'm also sharing there all the books mentioned on the podcast, books I've been reading lately, and other recommendations. It's a really wonderful site to browse and look through books. And if you make a purchase, it supports a bookish home and independent bookstores. So it's a win-win. So if you want to check that out directly, it's bookshop.org slash shop slash a bookish home. And you'll also find that at abookishhome.com. If you are enjoying the show, I hope you take a minute to subscribe and also rate and review in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it on social media to help other people find the show and this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and happy reading.